Welcome to Software Security Chat Chat, episode 80 for January the 18th, 2012. Got to get the year right. I'm Chester Wisniewski, and uh, my guest this week's on uh, this week's Chat Chat is Vanya Sveitzer, who is our principal threat researcher in Sophos Labs, Croatia. Welcome yeah. back, uh, Vanya. It's good to have you. Hi, Chet. Good to be here again in winter this time. Yeah, and we and you, you timed it perfect to get the actual first week of proper winter here in Vancouver, where we've got a little tiny bit of dusting of snow on the streets, which is quite unusual for us. So uh, by Vancouver standards, the uh, two centimeters that we got the other day is a snowpocalypse. But uh, nonetheless, it is pretty cold. It is Minus a bit chilly. five or so. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, thanks for, for bearing the winter and coming out to do some good work with us here in Vancouver Labs. And uh, I because you're here, I thought it was a great time for us to talk a little bit about mobile malware, because at the end of year, a lot of um, security vendors made big hay over uh, the increase in amount of mobile threats we saw in 2011. Um, of course, most of them, conveniently enough, have uh, products to assist you with that problem that they'd like to draw all of our attention to. But uh, you know, we like to be the voice of reason here on the chat chat and on naked security and things. And so I thought we could talk a little bit about what what do we really see? What are the facts behind some of this stuff? Because more and more of us are all I mean, I don't know anyone. And granted, I surround myself with techies, but I don't know anyone that's not carrying a smartphone. And most people seem to have some sort of tablet as well. And so this is not uh, it's not a trend. It's not a fad anymore. I mean, it's it seems to be here to stay. Yeah, everybody's using if you, if you look at the number of activated devices, for example, for Android, you could see that over 35 million devices were activated only in December this year. So there, there's over over 200 million activated. That's a big number and the numbers that's going to grow. Right. And and I guess we know from the law of numbers and past things malware that wherever the people are is where the crime is going to go. And I, I personally, um, you know, I, I have a Android tablet and at work we use BlackBerry here. I have a BlackBerry and, and I've got a lot of friends and use, you know, iPhones and iPads. And there is a seemingly an extra security risk there, aside from whether the operating system's secure, all these kinds of things. You lose context of what, how to make a good decision when everything vanishes in front of you. And I've noticed that when I get emails with links in them, I don't know how to figure out where that link goes without tapping it, right? It's difficult to figure out the context of a phishing attack from a mobile phone compared to maybe you might notice more visual cues in a traditional email client on your desktop that you're accustomed to for years. So I think, you know, from a social engineering perspective, there's certainly um, extra risk involved because of the small screens, the limited real estate to look at things in context. And certainly because people are not that aware that there are actual threats for, for the mobile devices. Um, so there is a somewhat larger number. It's similar with the Mac, Macs, I think, where where people, typical Mac users, okay, they can be techy as you, or they can be, you know, moms and dads at home. The way the Apple advertises the security on, on Mac, uh, people are not aware, so they just click on things and links and like that. So it's, I think it's pretty much similar with the mobile devices, um, while in the mobile devices, the, the emphasis is on the Android platform, I would say. Well, yeah, and I guess that's one of the things. For, so in 2011, when we did see quite a lot of um, comparative to pre compared to previous years malware, and most of it was on Android, whereas previously it was mostly Symbian, was it not? Yeah, Symbian was started as as like the first platform for mobile malware, um, probably at the beginning of the the last decade, and then ten years later, um, we see more and more threats on Android. Like the threat on Symbian really never materialized. 
perhaps because Symbian uh, as platform was not as popular as Android today. Uh, but in terms of the numbers that, that we see certainly over 2010, where we might, might have seen, I don't know, 10 or 20 samples, we, we probably have seen an increase like 100 times of so, about 1,000 samples, but it's still like comparatively low to Windows malware where we actually see over 200,000 every single day. Right, and I guess it is important to have that perspective, although it only takes one piece of malware to hit you to necessarily have an impact on your pocketbook or your information. And so if, if we're seeing something like a uh, thousand samples over the last year, uh, are what, what types of things, you know, what do these things do? Like we know on, on PCs, we have key loggers, we've got banking Trojans, we've got fake antivirus, we've got, you know, etc. If you were to get infected, what types of things are criminals trying to capitalize on on the mobile platform? Well, for a long time on the mobile platforms, uh, the sort of malware writers or criminals have been focusing on trying to either get some kind of confidential information from you or from your phone or basically trying to make some money out of setting up the premium SMS uh, mailboxes. When you install a malicious application, the malicious application sends an, an SMS message to a premium line number, so basically you lose money and they win. Right. So these premium rate SMS scams are, are using the same technology that you might see when there's a, a tragedy, an earthquake, and they go, oh, you know, text this number and you can donate $10 to, you know, the American Red Cross. And they're setting up the same type of a thing and then using the malware to make your phone transparently it's, it's, do the it's, exact same yeah, thing yeah, to rack it's, up money. It's a similar idea, but with, with the sort of Android platform, you usually get... Uh, Trojanist applications or sort of copies of pirated applications or, or copies of the sort of most popular applications, but their sources would be uh, from alternative Android markets, but sometimes even on the Google application marketplace as well. So it is primarily, so these this thousand threats, the vast majority, if not all of them, then were pretty much Trojans. They're not taking advantage of known flaws in the operating system that you might use to root your phone or jailbreak your iPhone or whatever. They're actually just tricking you into thinking you want a free premium version of some game or uh, travel application or yes, whatever it although, might be. although actually quite a few of them would contain some kind of jailbreaking exploit. And the reason being that that allows them to stay on the phone much longer. So they copy themselves into the system part of the, the, the operating system and, and they basically change the permissions so that it's very difficult to then remove the malware application for from the system. Sort of like Carrier IQ, the uh, so-called legitimate malware that was installed by carriers in the United States that uh, also took advantage of some root privileges to uh, embed itself quite deeply and not show up in a removable application list and that kind of thing. Yeah, that's quite a, quite a controversial case, and it's, it's, the jury is still out there. Whether that what's the name? Of the Carrier IQ. So <clears throat> that's quite controversial because um, Carrier IQ, it's 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 kind of the jury is still out there whether it's malware or not. Yeah, I I, I don't know whether I feel like it's malware or not, but I I know if it were on my device, I might not be very pleased about the fact that I had no ability to choose whether I wanted to participate or not and that kind of thing. And well, yeah, cer certainly the tricky part is that you don't know what kind of information is coming out or going out of your phone. I mean, privacy is certainly the second big concern, like malware is one, but privacy is the second thing because you have so many of the free applications that are installing um, advertising frameworks and most of these advertising frameworks are communicating back to the central server, sending information that you really don't know what it is. So of the for the actual ones that we can genuinely classify as malware, are 
are have we seen much data thieving like are they trying to copy our uh, address books are they trying to steal files or anything or well you could see that some of them would try to collect confidential information from the phone and, and send it to the third parties i think uh, there were a couple of instances where you would have uh, SMS um, stealing Trojans, basically. Any SMS you would, your device would receive would be proxied, simply proxied and sent to um, a third-party number. And for a lot of people, I think uh, we... I don't know why we think our SMSs are actually confidential when, in fact, we know that our phone carriers are logging them and keeping track of them and that they're available to law enforcement in the right circumstances and things like that. But but people do often send very, very private things uh, through SMS messaging and, and, and MMS messaging, too, with photos and things. So would it be yeah. able to intercept things like a, a photo, a text photo? Or... They, they would, like an Android framework allows you to uh, basically register uh, your applications to receive SMS or, or MMS messages. So every SMS message that comes to your phone will also be able to, will also be presented to the application that's registered as a, to have the ability to read SMS messages. And that's that's interesting for like uh, uh, online banking as well, because there are some evidence that the malware gangs behind Zedbot and Spyeye are also developing their malware on, on Android platform. And the reason for that is that many more banks are now using the uh, mobile transaction transaction uh, authentication numbers so they send an sms message with a unique code to authenticate the tr- transaction so if you have uh, a malicious uh, version of zbot both on your uh, desktop and in and your mobile phone in that case when you work on and then try to pay somebody something uh, then in that case if you get the mobile transaction authentication number on your phone and the malware intercepts it they could send it to the third party so, yeah, I mean, mobile phones clearly aren't a perfect solution as a two-factor authenticator, um, although I guess, so getting down to it, I mean, what is the risk for, you know, most of the people that uh, we deal with professionally in InfoSec uh, are businesses, um, you know, deploying these or allowing their employees to bring their own mobile handsets to work and connect in to get their email and calendaring and things. Should we be panicking? I mean, okay, so there's a thousand variants of malware, mostly on these off-markets, trojanized apps, this kind of thing. Have we seen any impact on business or is this primarily... Uh, maybe just you know the beginning of this malware ecosystem developing, and at this point, business users are largely untouched. Uh, we are still relatively early in the sort of development of, of mobile malware ecosystem, as you said. I wouldn't say that the the, the risk is non-existent. I think the risk is, exists. The risk is quite small. The risk may increase uh, in the next. Few like year or, or two. So the, it, it definitely increases the risk. This whole uh, uh, bring your own device kind of thing would increase the risk because I could see a lot of people not thinking twice about uh, wanting to get a free version of a paid app on their personal device that they paid $400 for and just so happen to also sync the company address book and have access to Salesforce and all this kind of stuff from their mobile device. So I think the cross-pollination then probably is increasing the risk a bit more for business than if it were the old school model of here's your company BlackBerry and no, you're not loading Angry Birds. It's just go do your work. Certainly. And I think that's why it's important that the companies can manage mobile devices, have the ability to manage not just the devices, but also the applications that get installed on those devices. 
Yeah, and I, th- I think that that's an interesting point that, you know, I guess we have seen malware on the Android market, but obviously Google has the power to rescind those things. And, and do they still, I, I heard rumors about something like that they can actually remove something from Android devices if it turns out it's malicious? Yes, definitely. There is a Google notification service or notification framework, which basically allows Google, when they remove uh, application from the Google Marketplace, to send a message to all of the devices, effectively removing the, the application from all of the devices. If the application hasn't used a, a jailbreaking exploit so it hasn't installed itself it root privileges okay so that that would be the the reason for the bad guys then to iterate and become more sophisticated and use these exploits of vulnerabilities in the os would potentially give them the option of preventing google from getting them off the device in the case that they're discovered yeah i think that's the main reason why 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 some of the malware will use jailbreak exploit i i guess the other reason is once when you have root access then all the data on the phone is accessible to you as well so that's another big reason right Right, because there is a privilege model, uh, permissions model on the Android where it goes, I would like the permission to send or receive SMSs or read your address book or talk, you know, write stuff to your SD card, etc. So yeah, yeah, Android is built on top of the Linux kernel and basically every Android application uh, will have its own user account or username. So every application will have its own private space so that not, none of the other applications which will have equal, basically equal rights or permissions on the local system to access that data so once when you break that permission model then you can access the data of all of the applications but that can also be done by sloppy applications i think we saw there was a skype app for android earlier this year that didn't set its permissions properly which would allow any app ultimately to read your skype contact list and all this kind of thing which uh, was a bit of a you know accidental data leakage so it's no different it's, it's really no different than the the desktop uh, paradigm i guess in the end yeah and a lot of the applications are using the system log for example to to to, to save quite a lot of sort of test data and they do, don't necessarily realize that being able to read the system log is another permission which can be used by malicious applications. So, you know, without doing a, a predictions show, which I'm not a big fan of, but, you know, you've been monitoring this quite closely for the last uh, year or two. Are we expecting to see more volume, more sophistication, more variants or... I think I think especially when we talk about Android uh, and the openness of the platform itself. I mean, for Android, for you know that for iOS, for example, Apple, at least for the home users, you only can buy and install applications apps from the the uh, Apple's uh, market. And on the on the Android side, it's pretty much more open. So there are there are alternative markets. Amazon has its own market, but there are like tens of markets for applications in China and Russia and, and this is where we we actually see larger increase in malicious apps being posted on those markets while still of course the biggest the biggest risk is is the Google marketplace um, because it has the highest reach of all application marketplaces in terms of the sort of what are the predictions they're always difficult but considering what we've seen in the last two years I would predict a, another maybe not hundred falls increase, but certainly 10 falls increase over the last year. So I wouldn't be surprised to have 10,000 malicious packages in our collection by the end of the next year, if not more. So I guess that begs the question, why Android? I mean, you know, there's, so, you know, Apple's got their platform with iOS, there's Nokia moving to Windows Phone 7. You know, why Android? I mean, most of the activity we, I mean, there there was Zeus in the mobile and things for other platforms. I think there was one for BlackBerry and some other things, but you know, is Android just that much less secure? Or is it because they're gaining market share so quickly? Is it because it's easy to code for it because it's so much like Linux? Is it, what's the? It is. It is quite easy to code for, but I think it's, it's this ability to self-sign the applications for that's the first thing, and the ability to 
install apps from third parties, from websites, from uh, email attachments, and so on, which makes it quite attractive, not just to user, but, but to uh, malware writers. And like we said at the beginning, like with 230 million devices, and I think 700,000 activated every day, um, you know, it's 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 a big estate, and 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 the huge numbers always attract malware writers. Yeah, it's very similar to Facebook. I mean, I do a lot of stuff with journalists talking about Facebook security, and they're like, "Oh, and how does this work?" And it's like, okay, let's assume that half of one percent of people on Facebook fall for this very poorly crafted trick. That's still millions and millions of people, right? Exactly. I mean, it, it, with that large of a base. Uh, you're less likely to run into somebody who's got there's a few people with a lack of sophistication who you know can fall victim more easily uh to these tricks certainly it's always in the numbers you know the, the, the higher the number of users they always be even if it's the smallest percentage that fall for for the tricks you know it, it will still be successful for other writers so thinking about this for a moment i currently have five of these smart devices i've got an ipad i've got uh, an android phone for my wife i have an android tablet for myself to play around with i've got a blackberry um, and, and, a, a, and an old Android that I use for playing in a TV remote. So what do I do if I want to, you know, not be one of the victims, even if it is only 1% of the people? Or what can I do uh, to my device to make it safer and more secure against uh, the, this evolving threat? Well, it's 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 a relatively difficult problem. Of course, the, the biggest problem with your for your devices is actually if you if you lose your device or the device gets stolen. So you you have to be able to somehow secure device from your device from that point of view. So try to be able to somehow remotely destroy the data on the device if the device gets stolen. So that's I think the highest risk in terms of the malware. You know there there is actually plenty of you know free antivirus applications. But I think the main point is you know make sure that whatever you installed you installed from um, Google Marketplace for Android or for from Apple you you have not don't have too much choice. But so far on uh, sort of Apple iTunes uh, uh, store you you didn't have that many of the the actual incidents. But with Android Market we had maybe three or four, and you've seen people attempting to to create more of these um, scams that can some somehow cost you money. So make sure that. Once when you're installing the application, you check the reviews, you check uh, that the application is very popular. So mostly, the, most of the time, stop, most popular applications will be all, all, all right. If if you look at it, you know what can you do if you're a company? I would I would say ideally have your um, your your employees actually having at least two phones, like one which will be strictly for for uh, business use and the ones that you can control, um, while think about allowing personal devices into the company's network yeah and I, so i guess and, and the other thing i uh, frequently see is uh making sure you have some sort of passcode on the device and that hopefully it's not one two three four that type of thing because there's um we, we did a survey earlier this year i think it was in november or october on naked security where 70 percent of people with smartphones had no passphrase or anything at all on it and, and it's understandable that people don't want to put a 20 character mixed case with punctuation thing on their phone it's too hard to get in but you probably can do better than one two three four or your birth year or yeah. something I, like ideally that ideally you should you should have like a six pretty random numbers like at least and every device has its own mechanism for ensuring that it's protected when it's uh, when you it, if somebody takes it there there are certain security mechanisms in place where, um, like you said, passcodes and, and things like that. 
Well, thanks for coming on and sharing your thoughts on the, the mobile malware scene. And uh, that concludes Soft Security Chat Chat number 80. Uh, as always, for the latest news, visit nakedsecurity.sophos.com. All of our podcasts are available and archived at podcasts.sophos.com. They're on iTunes and they're available via RSS feed from Sophos as well. And until next time, stay secure. Stay secure.